All right. Jose, you ready? <clears throat> Why is your hand up? What are you doing? I, am, I don't know. I am ready. He, his hand's up like he's about to conduct an orchestra. I mean, I kind of am. What are you doing? What was that? I'm a conductor in most things. <sighs> wow. Yeah, wow. Three, two. Don't point that at me. Get out of here. One. Hi, and welcome to It's Going to Get Stupid, your favorite podcast. I'm Jose. I'm Rick. I'm Holly. Welcome, everybody, to another rousing episode. Um, we're glad to be here. Sure. Yes, yeah. we are. Okay, I'm good. Good. Rick Rick had, took a, finally had a day off Woo-hoo! this weekend. I did. Whereas I have days off even when I'm working. It's... We better hope nobody that you work for listens to this podcast. I don't think he would care. I don't think he would care. They, I wouldn't care, and they already know. They yeah. already know what it's like when you're in sales. Sometimes it just feels like a day off, you know what I mean? Even though you're you're doing stuff. Just another day that ends in Y for you? Well, if like I watch a lot of sales. I mean, I look at a lot of sales memes. And there's <laughs> sales, all sales memes? memes where, yeah, there was like a lot of them. There's so many. And um, there's a lot of them are like, oh, man, it's it shows like the, you know, a guy working really hard or clocking out the other day, like wiping his brow. And he's like, man, just made three phone calls and sent five emails. <laughs> Rough day. Was like, it like <laughs> 11 o'clock in the morning? No, like it's the end of the day. and That's all they did all day. <laughs> no, I'm saying that he's clocking off at 11 o'clock in the morning. He's done no, with his no, day. No, no, no. You don't leave early. You leave on time, but uh, you probably didn't do a lot of stuff. What's the longest? Didn't feel um, that way. What's the longest amount of time you've worked? Like, not actually worked on an email, but like worked in air quotes on an email. Like. Do you mean like the longest time it took me to like craft an email in one sitting or from start to finishing sending the email? You start, know what I mean? Start to finish. Days. Oh, like sometimes sometimes I'll start an email. I will work on it all day long in, intermittently and then I'll send it the next day because I forgot. Is that all you do for that day? Just that one email? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I'm just, I'm doing other things. Like that email just sits in my outbound and it hasn't been, like, it'll have two lines. Or sometimes I'll notice I have a draft and I'll be like, oh, crap, what is this? And I was like, oh, I was supposed to send this email out two days ago. <laughs> why does it take you so, why, why don't you just write the email and send it? Like, what, be- what in this well, email of- is making it so difficult to write it and send it? Because like, it's usually like a, a an introductory or a cold email. It's not like it's not an important email, meaning it has to like I'm responding to somebody. It is usually a first call or like a second follow up email to like get interest, and I have to craft it a certain way or say it a certain way or add certain things inside of it, and it takes a lot of brain power to to do that. Are you trying to tailor it specifically to the person being sent to, or is it just like a general like this is what I offer? Because couldn't you send Hi, the same to, one? Well, well, Welcome to Sales Podcast. Yeah, no, this. <laughs> no, I definitely. I'm a, I'm a big tailor to a specific person. Okay. I, I don't like email templates. I don't like sending the same stuff, which is why it takes so long. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So, I, I went through a period of uh, job hopping. Jose knows this. Holly knows this. We're all very aware yeah, I, of I my job history. Know this. 
Um, there, there was a period in time where I just had a resignation letter in my Google Drive. And I had it to where, like, I could just swap out the dates and the, and the company name. <laughs> wow. And it's like two sentences long. You know, I'm officially turning in my, my resignation effective this date. Thank you for all the opportunities you presented to me. And by thank you for those opportunities. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, you guys are a no, disaster. You later. I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. And so it, it just became this thing, like, where I'd be, like, on a group thread with some friends, and they're like, yeah, I'm putting my, my two weeks today. And I was like, oh, I have a form letter for you. Yeah. Rick would come home from work. Rick letter. would come home from work, and he was like, he would say, like, you know what? Something rubbed me the wrong way. You know, I'm going to start I looking. Do. I can't. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> It was just like I would not. It was like like the like whatever would set him off, and then he was like, you know what? Now I'm soured to this whole company. I can't do it. It's like that's it. I'm done. Let me get that. Let me get that resignation letter fired up and ready, <laughs> yep. just in case. Yeah. Yep. But it was short and sweet, well, to the point. Goodbye. See yeah. you later. Well, hopefully you don't spend so long trying to email us, but if you did want to take some time, you could email us at it's going to get stupid at gmail.com. Oh, man. Holly See, wasn't ready. I'm not even ready for that. Always got to be ready. I'm never ready. I'm never ready because you can go to facebook.com if you're of the older generation and uh, <laughs> facebook.com slash it's going to get stupid. You can tweet us or X us at IGTGS show. Don't X anybody. Just get out of there. You can thread a versagram us at oh, it's going to get stupid. You can search it's going to get stupid podcast on YouTube. And leave us a voicemail at 281-870-4055. There's a funny story about X. There's two things that, that are that are happening right now. Oh, there's so many uh, things that are so happening. There's so many things. Um, Elon has decided be, in retaliation to so many people blocking him on his own platform um, that he's removing the block feature. Um, only it's it's going to remain in DMs, but like in like public profiles, like you can no longer block other users. Um, and then he switched some DNS records. And one of like, there's this one like most shared tweet of all time, and it's that picture of like Ellen DeGeneres, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, uh, oh yeah, at the Oscars. At the Oscars, yeah. like it, it's like, and there's like so many actors in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's the guy that plays Rocket? I'm oh, Bradley blank. Cooper. Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. And like the caption is like, if Bradley Cooper's arms were longer, we could get more people in this picture. Um, because it's a DNS record, like any photo that was taken prior to 2014 and shared on Twitter like got removed from the platform Yee. oh wow they restored that photo because it's like the most shared tweet of all time but like most other things like have been completely removed oh I see so yeah yeah good times over at x my gosh he's a disaster <laughs> he is a disaster yeah, I was telling Rick. Ex. I was telling Rick last night. There was a there was a meme that I saw that it had the headline of like Elon Musk removes a block function, and it said, "Tell me you don't have any female friends without telling me you don't have any female friends." <laughs> <laughs> because the girls want that block feature. When the creeps yeah. come in, it's like, oh, block. Yeah. I mean, come on, come on now. He's Good a disaster. Dream. Speaking of disasters. Disasters. Nice. Good segue. Look at this segueing. Crazy Ooh. segueing today. 
Uh, speaking of disasters, we are gonna we're gonna talk about kind of one subject and take it from a, a couple of different angles, but mostly about like what dictates a good movie and what makes a bad movie, and also kind of from the guise of like just because something is big budget doesn't mean it's automatically going to be great. And sometimes there's a lot of gems in the lower, the low budget market. Um, um, and just kind of discuss the differences and why we think some of those worked. So, uh, it should be an interesting one. I don't know if Jose wants to start. This is kind of your, your, your idea. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of got thinking about like, you know, cause it's a very, you know, subjective term, good and bad, right? Yeah. Whether something's good or bad, but like the the reason, okay, let me tell you the story. So I rewatched, I mean, I watched Little Mermaid, the remake. Okay. Okay. And it was, it was like, you watch these remakes and these kind of different takes on movies and things. And a lot of people want to say that they're bad, they're bad films or they're hashed, you know, whatever it is. But like, and I started thinking, what actually makes it bad? Is it just because you don't like it? Because that doesn't make something bad. That's a preference that you don't like it. But really, what really makes a movie good? Because there are actually movies I do not like that I think are actually good films. I just don't like them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of they have good story, they have good character development, the acting is well done, the directing is well done, the cinematography is really good. One of those movies, honestly, is Lost in Translation. I don't like this film at all. I didn't fact, care for I it either. Yeah, I, we didn't really like it I, either. I, I, <laughs> but a lot of people do like this yeah. movie. And like Sofia Coppola as a director. But I don't like the film. Now, I will say, though, that it is well acted. And it is a beautiful film. Yeah, it's shot well, beautifully. Well, Yeah, well, well, very good cinematography. It's just not my kind of movie. That's the thing. So, you know, are there some things that inherently make a movie or show, whatever it is, like media, good? And are there some things that make it bad? So That's kind of the question I'm thinking. I'll say one thing. I think especially nowadays, um, there's this idea of agendas in movies and in and everything, right? And I think there's a lot of knee-jerk reactions um, about agendas, and I'm putting that in air bunnies. Um, when people hear or get wind that there's an agenda in a movie and it's an agenda that they disagree with, they automatically do not like that movie. Like, it's just kind of like, oh, they talk about this in it or, you know, whatever. And it's it's like, oh, I'm not going to go see it. I don't want you know, I don't want to support it. I, I didn't I don't like that movie. But when it's an agenda that they approve of, regardless of how good or bad the movie is, they will love that movie. Be like, oh, it's so good. Like, you have to go see it. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I, I just I want to get that one out of there. Right. Because I think, again, that is too subjective. Right. Like based on like I think Little Mermaid suffered from that because there was a lot of issues with them casting Ariel as a black with a black actress. Um because everybody knows mermaids are white <laughs> and only white only white with red hair come on now um but you know because there was some inclusivity in it um in a fairy tale uh people got all up like freaked out and they were like oh they're just pushing an agenda 
It's like mermaids aren't real, and she sings like an angel. Like, yeah. come on! Like she, she actually, was. She actually perfect. sounds like Jody Benson. It's kind of crazy. Like she was she so exactly- she was so perfect, and I I thought they did a really. I thought the casting was really thoughtful, but people were like, "Black mermaid, what?" It's like, well, her dad's Hispanic. Like we're we're all over the place. Like yeah. what's happening? I mean, yeah. I don't know. I I just think people get a little too like riled up about things, and yeah. it's like. Like, there's so many things in the world to be upset about. Like, is casting this sweet, angelic-voiced angel, like, right. <laughs> is that really the thing you want to, like, the hill you want to die on? Come right. on. Now, to point the finger back at myself. Rick hates a Little Mermaid. No. Um, I have no issues with any of those movies. Um, but if you tell me to go watch a Christian movie or any type of Christian oh, media, yeah, forget it. He hates uh, it. Yeah, I'm not doing it. He hates and, it. And as stated in previous episodes, I am a Christian, <laughs> and I, I hold strongly to to my faith. Um, but I have a great distaste for. He's so sour about any Christian media, like Christian movies, Christian music. He's like, I hate it all. Hate it all. Yeah, and. And you would think that as a Christian that that would be an agenda that I would be in full support. Um, I typically don't like the way it's presented and how it's very like a, it's like a ham fisted version of presenting the gospel. No, what you don't like is like when all of the Christians are like, did you see this movie? You should go and support it because you're a Christian. You're like, oh, well, then I'm definitely not seeing it. Forget it. No, but I think you have a good point there, Rick, about agendas in general, right? Yeah. Like, interestingly enough, like, movies are made with... Guys, this is not a secret. All movies are made with an agenda. Isn't Everything. Wild? Everything has every an agenda. Single, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, every... But every... Specifically, when you talk about media, an artist making something, there's an agenda behind it. There is some of themselves and their thoughts and opinions 100%. involved in that, right? And And you have several different artists working on a film... There's a lot of opinion put into that movie and things that they want to see. And there's an agenda behind it. Now, the the problem is, is what is how does that agenda is it is it forced into the movie and and it ha- it really doesn't give any substance or anything extra? Right. And sometimes that's okay, right? I mean, that's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just like but when it becomes its own identity that the agenda is the identity, then there's a problem. Um I think you guys saw Barbie, right? No, we never did. We haven't seen it yet. Okay, so never mind. I won't even talk. But but Barbie's a good example of this because I think that people think that there's a certain agenda there. Yeah. And it's not the agenda they're thinking. Even yeah. when they watch the movie, they don't understand. And so I took a course, you know, an English course uh, in community college, and we talked about, like, we're, we were um, critiquing poetry. And it talked about, like, critiquing it from the audience point of view and, like, or, or not, not critiquing, interpreting poetry mm-hmm. and, like, writings. And so when you interpret art in general, you have to think about like, okay, what was the artist's intent first off, Yeah. right? Think about that. But then like sometimes you have to interpret it from the standpoint of cultural or societal aspects in, in a time period because, you know, there's older movies, right? And so they had a different context around there. So you kind of got an interpretation lens through there. And then you have to interpret it through what is the audience's reaction to those things? What is the actual consumer? What what do they think about it? And then you got to kind of, with all three of those in mind, come to a conclusion at that point. And that's how you really like interpret and look at a movie and see whether it is valued as good or bad. Uh, I mean, in my in my mind, anyway. So yeah. you know, a movie can have really good 
um, and intention behind it, and they tried to do something like Last Jedi is a good example for me because people hate that film. Like, are they are they love it, right? And I think for me, the intention behind the movie was to try to do something different in the world of Star Wars, yep. and they achieved that, right? And it still had honestly good acting. Were there plot holes? Every Star Wars movie has plot holes. Every Star Wars movie has crazy things that are happening, new powers and everything. They spit in the face of, like, the stuff that happened before. It, it's, it has all of those same things. Um, there's just some things that people really didn't like that they tried to do something new, but I saw that as their intention. I was like, that makes it good, you know, for me. That makes it. a good thing. Yeah, but some people don't like it. Some people really don't like it at all. So, um, what, when they, you know, I... Kind of before we move on from from this facet of like what makes a good movie or a bad movie, um, there's so Rick Rubin, um, who's a world famous uh, music producer. Um, I haven't always been the hugest fan of Rick Rubin because like I see him, I use this analogy at work, but Rick Rubin is a tastemaker, right? Like he doesn't really play instruments. He knows what a good song sounds like. He knows like how to put together a great album, but he doesn't really. He's not really like a, a a hands on the keyboard kind of guy, right? Like he just kind of helps create a taste. Uh, anyways, he started a new podcast, and I've been in, I've been listening to it just because I, he's he's reached that point of like uh, Jeff Bridges' character from Tron Legacy, where he plays. Um, gosh, I'm drawing blank on names today. Um, the guy, the main character in Tron, in Flynn. the first Tron, Flint. Okay. He plays an older version of Flynn that is completely zenned out, right? Like, because, you know, whatever, like in, in Tron Legacy. And that's what kind of Rick Rubin is. He was recently interviewing John Mayer on his podcast, and I was listening to it. Not a huge uh, John Mayer fan. Um, I think he's funny. Like, back in the early days, like, Holly and I would, like, he would release these, like, video, like, behind-the-scenes videos where he was just acting crazy. Um, and that was a really interesting era for John Mayer, but... He asked Rick Rubin, like, do you ever just hear something and hate it? Like, like you just dislike something. And Rick Rubin's answer was like, he's like, no. He's like, I don't hate anything. My only response is, this isn't for me. And I think, like, something that I'm trying to do is, like, I, as I continue to, like, watch movies, experience art, listen to music, is instead of, like, having an opinion of, like, I don't like this or I, I hate the way this sounds or I hate the way this movie was made is come with it an appreciation of like, this just isn't for me because there's a lot of stuff that I like movie wise, music wise, um, art wise that other people don't. And it isn't for them. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just agreeing with you. Oh, I thought Sorry. you were going to say something. You, you, no. you came in like you were about to say something. Uh, no, just yeah, but yeah, uh, but still, I think there there are a lot of bad movies out there. Um, but most of them. So a really good example of this is Wes Anderson. <laughs> yes, I don't like Wes Anderson films. I love Wes Anderson. I don't like Wes Anderson films. Um, but why? Why do you not like his films? It's just the tone, the pacing. And is it because they're quirky? Like, do you not like they're almost the quirky? a little too quirky? But that's like his signature. That's his thing. Like, and, and I get it. Why he doesn't like them, right? But it, but like it's why point. it's it's why I don't like them. And it's and it's something where so th there's two things that are happening in the near future. Um, I've agreed because I, I've I told Holly recently I was like I don't feel mm -hmm. that I've given Wes Anderson films an honest 
effort to appreciate them for what they are because I can't get past the quirkiness. So I've agreed to, because there's a lot of Wes Wes Anderson movies that Holly has missed out because I did not want to watch them. Um, Did I make you watch Bottle Rocket? No, we haven't watched it yet. See that? I love Bottle Rocket, which a lot of people don't because that's, you know. We're going to go through the Wes Anderson catalog. Bottle Rocket is probably the least quirky because he didn't have, you know, it's just basically both the Wilson brothers and, but it's so like. He had no budget. He had no budget. It's basically, it's so simple and it's just so genuine and sweet. And I love that movie so much. Yeah. So we're going to go through that, through that movie catalog. And maybe that's something we can talk about in a future podcast episode. The other thing that we're going to do, the other thing that we're going to do, because again, I have expressed my distaste for this movie very openly, um, but maybe it's not just for me, is we are going to rewatch The Princess Bride. Yay! I'm so excited. And you're going to love it. Oh gosh, I'm not it. gonna like it. Nope. You're gonna love it. I can already tell you who won't like it. You're gonna love. Well, we're gonna watch it with the kids, and I have a yeah. feeling they're gonna be because anything that's, that's like old. before 2000, they're like, "Is this movie old? This looks old." <laughs> You're giving them way too much credit. It was before like 2015. They're like, "This looks so old." <laughs> well, I think that's another facet of like calling something good or bad, right? Yeah. Um, because some people just don't like older movies. They don't like the way they're made. They're used to a certain kind of movie nowadays and they're like wait a minute this doesn't have that in there yeah and there's there's other things like they don't have cell phones you know there's other it's like this would have been so much easier if they had a cell phone so some of our society bleeds into that um but i mean ultimately a movie is good for me personally if the intent is is secured so if you're making a summer blockbuster movie that's just a bunch of action and that's all your movie is and it's fun action i think it's a good movie it doesn't have to be like a great movie and just a good movie there's a place you know, for popcorn movies yeah of course right right but but even those which i'm sure we'll talk about once you talk about your last movie yeah even those when that's all they are and that whole franchise when we talk about like i really have a problem with it period yeah um but but anyway even those like sometimes those can be bad right because they're just like just not well written or not well done yeah. or the action is not as great i mean you look at any of the you know um mission impossibles versus other action movies it's like this is how you do action guys like it's, there's there's something there there's something there to be in the cinematography and the way they shoot it so yeah and we'll come back to mission impossible here in a second um because i have some comments when we start talking about budgets um the other oh, thing yeah. for me um i think intent is important like kind of knowing where your story is going um and understanding the genre that you're making a movie in. If it's an action movie, it needs to be really well-paced action, really good choreography, stuff like that. I think timing is very important. Um, and if if you spend like the first three quarters of a movie setting up something and then it's like resolved in like 15 minutes, um, like it just, everything feels rushed. And there's nothing worse than like going through an experience and then having the ending just kind of like, okay, like, this movie, you know, when we filmed it, it ended up being like three and a half hours long. So we got to cut the second half down to 20 minutes. Right. And that can be really, uh, I can't remember the last movie we watched like that because we tend to move past those when we get a glimpse of it. But timing is, is really important. And to kind of go along with timing is pacing. So there was a movie that Holly's sister really loved called kingdom of heaven. Oh gosh. We got, yeah through like 15 minutes of that movie and 
Yeah, it was, you know, it's, it, it's about the Crusades, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we got through like 15 minutes of that movie and Holly and I were both like, I don't want to watch this anymore. The pacing is like so bad. It was just so slow. Like there was nothing happening. And Shannon, uh, Holly's sister, had talked about it so much that we were like, we should like try to see if isn't there's it, something redeemable. Orlando Bloom? Orlando Bloom, it, yeah. yeah. Um, that we just started like fast forwarding through it. And like we would fast forward it for five minutes and then like, okay, like what's going on now? Nope, still not interesting. Fast forward for five minutes. Okay, what's going on? Nope, still not interesting. And so we just like, we we left it. We we departed the movie and like we rarely ever do that. Yeah, we, yeah, we pretty much fast forward to the end, but she's, uh, she's still, it's one of her top movies. She loves it yeah. so much. And I'm like, well, because that's why we fast forwarded through because we were like, maybe something happens and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, now it's getting good. But it just was the same stuff. And maybe we weren't in the right mind frame. Maybe. Sometimes you are in like, you're too tired or you're too, yeah. like you want a different genre. And when you get that, you're like, uh, I'm just not in the mood for this, yeah. but I just, I didn't like it. Well, and, I mean, I guess if we gave it another chance, it, we might feel differently, but when we watched it, I didn't care for it. It was like watching the first two um, Fantastic Beast movies. Um, the first one, I was not in the mood to watch it. Yeah, no, okay, 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 okay. But you were not in the mood to watch those because you dislike Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. And so you weren't in the mood to look at his face is the problem. <laughs> so I enjoyed the movie, and Rick was like, that was a disaster. I'd never want to watch another one. So then when we watched the second one, honestly, we both fell asleep, so we don't yeah. remember anything. But then when we rewatched it with the kids, you actually did enjoy it because yeah. I think you kind of got over it. But and we were we were already like in the Harry Potter universe, the Wizarding World universe. So it was a it was a good like we were already in that mindset. So let's talk about some of these movies. Let's talk about first. Let's talk about movies that had a super low budget, yeah. but ended up like grossing a lot of yeah. money. Um, but so there's a few like genres because you have things like napoleon dynamite that they had like a few thousand dollars for this budget and it grossed a lot not because the movie was exceptionally amazing yeah it was because people had a feeling about the characters yeah like they not related nobody related to these characters and if you did I'm sorry, but it wasn't that we related to these characters. It was just like, oh my gosh, you guys are so like, it was just so out there that people really enjoyed it. And it became so, something you had to experience. Yes. And the movie wasn't like the writing, directing, like none of it was just like, whoa, that was, that was really good. It's just, they created a story and they made these characters so like, I don't know, like, comical cartoony caricatures of like a place that people really like and i don't know you just felt like i just want to be there i want to be a part of this but i don't know and one thing about the so the one thing is the acting was very on point because when you think about a character that they create like especially in the point you can really miss the mark on those characters because you've created a certain type the way they are and so everything they do has to fit that character right or go along with their character arc and so when you look at something like napoleon dynamite 
every single one of those characters is like 100% that person all the yeah. time. Yeah. Every single time they're on screen, they are that person. And there's no scratching your head going, well, that's kind of weird that they did that. It was like, no, that makes sense with this person. Like it 100% makes sense. And that was the draw and the appeal was how well they crafted these characters and how well the actors actually acted these characters out. Because as far as that, I mean, it's a simple story. The, the writing wasn't amazing. Um, it's funny, but it was more funny because the characters are so weird and off. And I think the intent was there, right? Yes. Like, like everyone knew like what they were doing. Well, and the timing, like their comedic timing was like on point. Yeah. It's just like they would just, everyone was dry and monotone and it wasn't anything like, wow, that's a great performance. They were just so like the way they interacted with each other. It was just so funny. And then like throwing in the llama and the casserole. It's like <laughs> some of the stuff they put in this movie. It's like, what is happening? But you could not look away. And I think that was just one of those genius things. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It was just, it was just one of those just super weird. It was so bizarre. The whole movie was so bizarre, but people really couldn't look away. Yeah, that's a good one. I think another one is Blair Witch Project. Okay. 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 Right. But Blair Witch Project, they only had a $60,000 budget and they ended up making uh $249 million. However, that wasn't the movie. It was the uh, marketing. App, it was the marketing. Like they did such an amazing job marketing. Like pretend. Like they made everyone believe that this was really found footage. So people flocked, honestly, for a really gory reason. Like, oh my gosh, all these people died, and you found footage of it. I want to see it. And like so many people, I mean, the movie was out like a few months before they were like, oh no, this isn't real. Yeah. And people were like, wait, what? But by then they had already made like $250 million. And it's, I don't know. Well, it also had a good enough, honestly, the movie is, it's a little boring up until the very end. It's not the movie though. It was the marketing. That No, no, no. But I'm saying like, like it, it's, it's kind of boring. Cause like, you're just seeing like all these kind of jump cuts and everything. I'm so scared. <laughs> All I can think of is like Michael Scott trying to recreate that when he's doing like the introduction video. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I mean, so I watched the Blair. I remember when it first came out, and I thought yeah. it was real, right? I thought it was not, you know, found footage. Um, and it was like there were other found footage movies, but that was like the one that really kind of cemented it. But it was because it was before Cloverfield. Yep. Pretty sure. Yeah. So, I mean, at the time, it wasn't the first, but it was, like, the first mainstream one that ever... Like, it kind of started the trend after that, because a lot of movies came out with found footage. Um, but, yeah, the marketing was a, a huge success. But watching the film, like... Because people would recommend it to other people, and there was something about the way that they did it. Um, it only was made in eight days. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, they didn't tell... that There was no script, yeah. When they started filming, there's like not a film and they would tell the actors certain things and hide it from the other actors and tell them to do certain things. Yeah. And I think there was a sense of realism and even in the actors, like maybe some of this is out here. Like there is actually a witch out here kind of thing or yeah. some kind of spirits or stuff. So it, it really made some of the characters pop with like realism and fear. Um, so I thought they did a really good job of doing that. Like they made it, they made a pretty okay film. Like nowadays, no, no one would want to watch so this, it, as evidenced by the second movie that came yeah. out, which was trash. Well, so it's an okay film, but then that ending gets you, right? Like, you kind of, you, you hear them telling, like, the, the ghost stories about, like, how the witch, like, 
does her her killings and stuff like that and then the very end when like the camera like it's it's the the last character's perspective and she sees her friend like standing in the corner looking away and that's how they described like how the witch would kill like trap people and stuff like that and then it cuts off right and you don't know like you're just left to assume i think that was done really well right well because the people disappeared so you don't know if they're alive or dead and because at the time when you're watching it you think this is actually found footage so you're like oh my gosh like this is terrifying right and people told me like it was the scariest movie i've ever seen and but i didn't see it because i'm like dude i'm not i really don't want to see that but i saw it after i found out that it was all fake yeah and i watched it with that in mind and i'm like it's really not that scary of a movie but going it like if you think it's real it's so much scarier yeah because you're like oh my gosh like where is this and can it come to my town? Like, I don't want yeah, this. It, it, it was very creepy. Yeah. The build up, the, the slow, slow build up to the end. Like you're talking about, like yeah. there's nothing going on really other than like a lot of, you know, confusion and frustration of anybody lost in the woods. Like anybody that'd be there, it'd be the same kind of frustration. Right. But then add in the creepy aspects that jump here, there, everywhere. And then to like, kind of go to that loud crescendo of the ending. It was well done. It was just a well done film, you know? And Um, and then add that to the crazy viral marketing made it a big hit. And I think that's fine. Like if you do it really simple with horror, I never saw paranormal activity, but I heard the first one was done really well. And it's that same kind of basic premise. Like it's like found footage, of paranormal stuff happening to this family but then you look at cloverfield which was meant to be like a found footage like monster movie and i think the thing that separates it there is because it's a giant kaiju movie you're you're already put into an area of disbelief yeah you're like that's not actually real right this is an actual found footage it's meant to look like stuff like paranormal activity there's things that I mean, we've all probably experienced something that we're like, I can't explain that. Right. So that kind of thing, it's like, okay, that could actually right. happen. But like, if you're talking about, you know, a Godzilla, it's like, yeah. okay, well, that's not real. But it only works once. Yeah. Right. It only works right. once, which is, it baffles me how they can continue to do more paranormal activity movies or try to do a second Blair Witch it. Project. They love all that jump scare stuff. Right. They love it. it. But it's like the, the, the realist, like the like, oh, is this actually real? Yeah. I think that gimmick wears off after you do the first one. You got to move on to something else. But like par- paranormal activity, I mean, people knew it was fake. Yeah. Like Blair Witch Project, they kept that ruse going for a while. Yeah. Everyone was in on it. I mean, it was like nobody said anything about it being fake and like until it was way out of the theaters and then they're like oh no it's not real that was you know those are paid actors they're alive but they hid the actors the actors weren't allowed to like promote the movie they weren't allowed out like they were like you gotta hide and then i think they only got paid like a couple thousand each and then when they made like 250 million the i think the actors like sued the the director guy because he was they were like yeah, I understand this was like eight days of filming for a thousand bucks and that was really great, but come on. Like, yeah. you got to share some of that. So, I'm not really sure how that resolved, but yeah, I, I think I'd be upset if I got paid a thousand dollars for eight days and then they made millions of dollars off of me. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, what's one more good low budget movie? There's a couple on this list. I can run through it, or Holly, well, do you have one? So, like, Donnie Darko is a good example yes. of. Um, so Richard Kelly had never made a movie before. He had this weird idea for Donnie Darko, cast a bunch of people that nobody knew. I mean, who knew Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal? I mean, nobody knew who they, they yeah. like they were brand new. Um, 
he made the movie for $400,000, which, you know, is a lot for your first movie. But um, he had a really unique story, yeah. I guess. It wasn't anything amazing, but it was just a really weird, like, messing with the time-space continuum and, uh, like, a rip in the time-space continuum. And so it just, you really cared about the characters. It was also really, like, shot really well. Yep. Like, the lighting, um, he, uh, I watched like his commentary on like the movie and he was talking about how they took really good care of the lighting to make sure that it had the, the lighting told a story and it was just really visually interesting. The story was interesting. Um, and so it was just one of those weird movies. I mean, I consider it a cult classic because people still like watch it yeah. now. But I mean, it went on to make forty six million, and he was like completely baffled that so many pe- that this movie resonated with so many people. But I mean, the ending was kind of confusing and crazy. But but then he goes on like the next movie. They're like, ooh, the next movie we're going to give you. I mean, like Southland Tales. Ugh. I think it was like hot garbage. He, I think he got like uh, 200 million, or it was like a hundred million dollars. I don't know. He had yeah. several million dollars to make the next movie. He cast like people that the rock was in it. People that people knew about like Justin Timberlake was in it. And so he had money and he made this next movie and it was like, yeah, lightning does not strike twice no. because it was so it wasn't the budget. It's just he had something interesting to say. And then when he had more well, money, it was just a disaster. Well, no. So I, I haven't watched South and Tales in a long time. We watched it once. There, no, once was enough. Once was too many times. There was a comic book that went along with it that I think was pretty interesting. Um, I remember reading it and thinking that like this was it was kind of a build up, right? Like sometimes they do that for movies. They did that for Inception where they had a, a comic book that kind of does the first heist when the movie starts, kind of leads up to it. And so they did that for Southland Tales. And I do think it's a really good example of a budget being a hindrance. Oh, so they had seventeen million dollars to make the movie. Yeah. Um, it made two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. See, and, and so I, that is a big like bust right and so like i think him having money to work with was totally worked against him. it worked against yeah. him and i think like if if you put too much money into donnie darko and if y'all haven't seen donnie darko i highly recommend it don't watch the director's cut um because the soundtrack in the original movie like it just works together as a whole package um I think if you put too much money and budget into Donnie Darko, it becomes a bad movie. No, when you get more money, you have more voices. Yeah. More people are like, hey, I gave you a few million. I want you to add this into it. Yes. I want you to cast this person. I want you to tell this story. With Donnie Darko, people were, people, people were like, oh, I think your story's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Here's yeah. a few thousand dollars. And he made, and he had the final say of everything. But with Southland Tales, there was just too many cooks in the kitchen and it ended up just being bad. Yeah. It was bad. Hundred percent. But then we have like Get Out, like he like Jordan Peele. He so the movie, like of course this is a lot of money, but for movies it's I guess not. But he made it for four and a half million dollars, which in movie business is very cheap. So he especially made it, nowadays. He made it for that, and he was a comedic actor. He'd never made a movie before. So the fact that he got four and a half million dollars is a lot. And he's telling a horror story. Um, 
with a predominantly black cast, which are two things that people kind of shy away from because they're like, um, let's throw in some white people. But that wasn't the story he wanted to tell. To tell he want, he had like something specific. There yeah. was an agenda, but it was like it's like a story that needed to be told, and it went on to make two hundred and fifty five million dollars. Yeah. And so people were, I mean, that was one of those like like. Anytime you're like, wait, Jordan Peele's making a horror movie? Yeah. Like, that's weird. And I think a lot of people went in the first point to kind of see, like, what he would do. But it ended up being, like, really creepy and spooky and well, I think it had a slow buildup. And yeah. then, like, when people, like... All of his movies do, though. When, well, when people heard, like, oh, like, you really... Sh- like, you need to go see this. Yeah. Then, it, like, it really picked up steam. Like, I don't think it opened up, like, phenomenally well. Um, I think it, it built up. Well, and then, people were skeptical that yeah. Jordan Peele's going to, like, I don't know. If someone said Jim Carrey's making a creepy, scary movie, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm not interested. But it was really, yeah. it was well done. Again, like, uh, acted beautifully, shot beautifully. Like, the story was just really unique. Yep. It was something different. And so now he's kind of had a lot of success because people... It wasn't like Richard Kelly with Donnie Darko. People actually are now trusting him with the budget, and he's still like. But he's maintaining. He's coming through. Like he has a lot of stories to tell that you know, and they all have something. Like if if you sit on it, you're like, okay, like there was definitely something he was trying to communicate, but he doesn't really like. It's just like for him to come out from comedic acting to make such creepy movies. Like it's really impressive. Now, on the flip side, uh, you could have a lot of money, like a <laughs> lot of money. And, and then make, make Waterworld. And, oh, gosh. <laughs> or uh, Battlefield Earth. Yeah, that was definitely on there. That had all the all the money backing behind it. I never yeah. saw it. Never saw it. Didn't feel like learning about Scientology. So I, no, it just it didn't seem like a good movie to me. There's not okay, so I don't think we should talk like include any movie that was affected by coronavirus okay because there were a lot of movies that were flops because they were released right when everything shut down and it's like you're not going to make the money so because black widow was considered a flop i mean they had uh that movie was 221 million they only made domestically 179 million worldwide they made 360 million which is not a lot of money it's not the return that they would have made if it weren't for covid and so i don't think that counts and also like movies like the flash i think a lot of people passed on that because of you know bad behavior by the actors but it doesn't change the fact that i thought it was the movie was well done and the story was there but people didn't show up because of other reasons and it's like i don't think those are considered flop i mean they are budget-wise flops but i don't think that counts yeah i don't know it's like those uh, outside uh, factors, I yeah. think, are important. For so I would, it to be I would agree with that because I think, I think any DC DC movie is going to do bad right now because a they the Flash was a prime example um, issues with the actor um, and then putting a lot of money behind it. I think, unfortunately, I think Blue Beetle is not going to do great. Um, I've already seen a couple of like, it seems like propaganda of like. Uh, there was a headline on one of the Facebook groups that I'm in where it was like, you know, the Hispanic community is worried that if Blue Beetle um, doesn't do well, they're going to uh, witness a 
more of a lack of representation, right? And to me, that feels like production companies putting out a headline yeah, of propaganda. like, of like, Hey, let's go force the Hispanic community to, to go see this movie because we'll put the fear in them that representation oh, we'll is going to be taken away. away. Representation. Yeah, right? And that sucks. And that sucks. Yeah. Right. But I also think a lot of the DC movies, um, are going to do bad because of the announcement of what James Gunn is doing, because none of this matters. Right. And we've talked about that before. None of this matters yeah. really. And so why go see a movie? Why go see a franchise movie? Um, that's not, its story is not going to continue on. Um, the other one I think is suffering right now is like Mission Impossible, um, which has not done very well in box office numbers. I don't know what the budget um, over under is right now, but it's reportedly not gotten uh, a very, very strong um response from moviegoers not that i think it's bad because jose you saw it and you said you actually liked it um but there's not a lot of people turning out to see it do you think people are getting tired of mission impossible oh i'm sure they are i mean we're seven movies in no i I think i think what really happened is when it came out it's just a whirlwind of the oppenheimer barbie Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good films i think people wanted to see something different if it had been the only movie at the time then yes, but you got to release it during the block, the block, you know, the the blockbuster time. So, so the new Mission Impossible they made it for two hundred and ninety million. He, uh, domestically, it's only made one hundred and sixty four million, yeah. but worldwide, it's made five hundred and forty one million dollars. Yeah. So, I mean, the Americans are not turning out to see it because I don't know, but it seems like the rest of the world is happy about it. But I I think if you do too many in a, like in a franchise after a time, it's like, like what are we on fast and the furious? But people still turn out those. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot of movies, but people still will go see it. So I guess, I don't know. Tom Cruise, like lost a lot of fan base by jumping on a couch. He did. And then he got it back and then he kind of lost it again. And I I don't don't know. know. I think, there's here's the thing about Tom Cruise. He makes good movies. He loves the movie industry. He really is a good actor. Like he really per, is. Like the way he is personally, whatever that aside. I mean, he really is a good actor, and he cares about the product. He does what he has to do to make sure that he puts out a good product. Here's one that I'm I'm interested to see Jose's take. But on this list is Armageddon. <gasps> yeah. Um, I can see that it had. Uh, let's see, what was the budget? Budget was 140 million. That's low. Um, Ish. For- it did 550 million uh, worldwide, I believe. Um, which opened up. I mean, that seems like it did really well, but I think they were expecting more because of like who was in it. Yeah. And like the director behind it wasn't it Jerry Bruckheimer? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or was it? No, it was Michael Bay. It was Michael Bay. It was Michael Bay. Well, Bruck, I think Bruckheimer produced it. So yeah, yeah I think it was a Bruckheimer thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was you know, I, it's not for everybody, and it was also it came out when Deep Impact came out. So yeah. it was competing, which is by far you know, the better that, movie. It is, but you know what? Uh, I love Armageddon. I don't it, care. Is it I don't really care. The okay. movie. Okay, it is, I mean, but again. I love Armageddon. Okay. Okay. I love it. Acting and writing wise. It's terrible. Deep Impact is the better movie. Oh, it is. Yes, yes. Popcorn movie wise, Armageddon, Armageddon. is the better movie. Uh, I don't know about acting wise. I would say yes. It is a, diff- not a better acting, story. Not it's acting, a way but... better story. 
and more believable story. Uh, Armageddon is 100% pure yeah. science fiction, fantasy, but never going to happen. When Michael Doesn't Bay is involved, sense. is anything realistic, though? Like, Michael Bay no, is not oh, about I mean, realism. But, like, but but it wasn't supposed to be real. It was like a fun film that's, like, goofy, but also had a lot of heart in it. And it was, like, just, I mean, I don't know. It was a solid film. I mean, if you the, throw Ben Affleck in it, you're you're getting what you get. Like, he's he's ben one Affleck, of those. Ben great. No, I love him, but you're going to get a Ben Affleck movie. You're not yeah. going to be like, wow. Well, I mean, he's not, like, the best okay. actor. Unless, he's a great director. Acting is like, you're uh, going to get Ben Affleck. Unless it's, like, Good Will Hunting or The Town like, like he's really good in those movies. Or which yeah, one? I get you. No, Argo. because those and are just, just like he's actually he's actually a really good actor. I just like I mean in that movie, he was young. Like he was young. I don't think he had a lot to play with. And Bruce Willis is probably by far the worst actor in that film. Anyway, but he's know. so great. He's so great. I, I love. Mean, he, I love it all. Okay. I love it all. It's not a good movie, but I love it. I don't care. I'll watch There's, it anytime it's on. I'll watch it. I'm looking at a movie, and I, 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 I remember being very disappointed that this movie bombed, and it's Mortal Engines. And so I don't you know, know if y'all ever seen that movie. I did. I did. We did watch that movie. You I, read the books. I read the books. Yeah. And I watched the movie. It's very Howl's Moving Castle-ish. But, okay, it wasn't a bad movie. I just nope. don't think that... Um, and you know okay. what? They stuck pretty close to the book. I just don't think the book was as popular as they thought it was going so, to be. It was. A, I enjoyed the movie. I did. That movie came out. We have, we have gen- eras that were movie genres like run crazy, right? We had the asteroid movies with Armageddon Deep Impact. We had weather phenomenon with like Twister and Volcano. And a couple of other ones. Dante's Peak, I think, right? Like, and it's like similar things happening all the time. And when Mortal Engines came out, I want to say it was during that post-apocalyptic fantasy era. But it had Hugo Weaving in it and Robert Sheehan, which I love. You know what else? You know what else came out at the same time as Mortal Engines? What's that? Aquaman, Bumblebee, Mary Poppins Returns, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. It was you're not going to win with Mortal Engines. Yeah, you're not going to win with... It was t- 2018. You're not going to win with, oh, wow. with uh, Mortal Engines. No, but I just did, not, It wasn't the same kind of film. I did enjoy it. I thought it was visually really cool. Because, I mean, if you haven't... If you don't know anything about the book or the movie, I mean, it's basically these cities that are in these moving... Uh, I mean, they're just moving cities. Yeah. Like, they just go across the world because they're... You know, they just kind of... They're nomadic. But I thought it was really interesting that followed the book pretty well. I didn't love the books, but I, I thought visually it was really cool. But yeah, it did not do well. And then, of course, they it's a series. And so they kind of left it off to complete the series with the movies. And it, you know, it didn't do well enough to continue on. So Super disappointed. But it was really it was it was a cool movie. And I thought visually they did a really good job. I'm going to watch it again tonight. It was good. I liked it. I'm going to end this segment (laughs) with something that a lot of people will disagree with me on. I've been vocal about it in the past. Oh, man. I don't even want to know. Avatar. Wait, which which Avatar? The the, uh, blue Avatar or Uh, Last Airbender? So both, Uh, but I'm actually... The highest grossing film? Yes. The highest grossing film of all time, I think, is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Is it because Unobtainium the worst only? Movie you've ever seen? It's one Get of the worst movies I've ever okay. seen. 
It's what, okay. 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 That's, that's a very bold statement, Rick. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. He, hear me out. It took him 14 years to work on it, to get it to where yeah. he wanted it. Right. I understand that unobtainium is a sci-fi mechanic that has been used since the fifties. I still think it's very lazy that he left the mineral that the humans are having a hard time getting. I still think it's very lazy to keep it called unobtainium. Thirdly, because it's unobtainable, Rick. The thing that everyone kind of walked out of this movie talking about was the gimmick of the 3D effect that was done in the movie. Right. But you hate 3D movies right. as a like, right. as a whole. So the fact that like people weren't coming out saying like, oh, the story was great. Like this masterpiece that he built, it was Dances with, with Wolves in Space. Um, but everyone talked about like, oh, it's so visually stunning. Right. Like for me. It was. Okay. For me, though, like the gimmick of 3D and all that and IMAX, like I, I think IMAX is a great perspective we talked about in the last episode. Um, but it's a gimmick. Right. Like it's all gimmick. And I think this this movie for me is a bundle of gimmicks wrapped in a big budget. I mean, it's an okay story. Like, I mean, it's not bad. And the acting was decent. Like not the second one is actually way better than the first movie. And we haven't seen the second one. I've heard that a lot. Like way better. Like, you know, I'm not an Avatar fan either. Right. Yeah. And people love Avatar and they don't understand why I don't like the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not my thing. Like it just it's it's there's nothing new in that film. Exactly. Other than pretty visuals, pretty visuals, not good yeah. visuals, pretty. Just right. and, and like, and, you know, when you when you go to Pandora at Walt Disney World, it's really cool to see the floating islands and all that stuff, because that is interesting. Yeah. And in the movie, that is actually interesting, too. The world of Pandora is very interesting. They don't explore it enough for me because there's all this other, there's the story that they have to follow. And I get that, but that yeah. would have been like, I would rather just see that like vision. And I'm not a big background person either, but that was really cool. And I like yeah. some of the things they did with some of the flora and fauna. Um, but you're right. It's a bunch of style and no substance. None. And a lot of budget to, and the acting is like, it's really not that good, which is why I like the second movie. Cause it actually goes beyond that and has more substance. Well, they had so they made the movie for two hundred thirty-seven million yep. worldwide gross. They've made almost three billion dollars. Yep. But why would you wait thirteen years? Was thirteen years to come back out with part two? Like that seems crazy to me. He's building up hype. That's that's all he was doing. No, I, I mean I don't know. I, he created a lot of things that have actually been mo- used in other movies. So Great. he created some. Uh, whatever mm-hmm. some technology that has benefited other but it's like why would you why would you wait i mean george lucas invented a hd uh in the phantom menace that was the first time like anything had been done um 1920 um and but i just don't understand if you made like almost three billion dollars right. why would you wait 13 years to come out with part two i don't know like I that's th- crazy to me and so like you have like full the, teenagers that are watching this movie that weren't a, even born I will say that um, James Cameron has three of the top five highest grossing movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a reason. Yeah, there's I know. a reason. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. Well, and like he did Aliens, right? And I love that movie. And Titanic. And Titanic. Titanic's a great movie. But this one, like, 
so Titanic has the spectacle to it, right? But also, like, it's just a really good story. Like, he, he took this thing where... And it's Leo. And, I mean, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. But... So is this a flop in your mind? <laughs> I, I just didn't enjoy it's, it. Like, yeah. I, like I didn't I didn't go out of that movie. Like, and we didn't see it in 3D. No, we didn't, because you were like, there's... Well, so Rick is, like, his glasses, like, if he didn't get the thin... Yeah. Like, they, they would be like Coke bottles. Blindy blind. Right. So whenever he has to put the 3D glasses over his glasses, it's very headache inducing. Yeah. So he was like, this movie's like three hours long. There's lots of things happening. He's like, that will kill me. So we did not see it in 3D. And so I'm sure the 3D spectacle is great. But if you come out of a movie and just saying like, oh, you have to go see it in 3D, I automatically don't want to see it. Don't want to did, see didn't it. Didn't we see Tron in... Uh, IMAX 3D. We saw Tron I in IMAX 3D. Explode. And, we, and I saw 300 in IMAX 3D. Ugh. And like, it was just way too much. Um, but yeah, for me, this movie, and lastly, he used Papyrus for the subtitles. Papyrus. Okay, anyway. I'm just saying. So uh, <laughs> please don't send us an email on Papyrus. It may just get rejected. You know what but you did, But if you did, want, Papyrus. you can email us. Um, about what your thoughts about, you know, movies in general or like any other kind of flops that you were interested in or, uh, you know, were like, whoa, what the heck? Or a small budget movie you haven't seen. Email us at it's going to get stupid at gmail.com. You can go to facebook.com slash it's going to get stupid. You can tweet us at IGTGS show. You can hit us up on meta thread Instagram <laughs> at it's going to get stupid. You can search It's Going to Get Stupid podcast on YouTube. And you can leave us a voicemail at 281-870-4055. Beep, beep. You like how I added meta in there? I did. Because it's meta? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rick and Holly, what were the last things y'all watched? <sighs> I'm really I'm really disappointed in this movie. Holly agreed that we could rent Transformers Rise of the Beast. I really didn't want to watch it because, you know, Transformers... But so, Rick has been waiting for this movie, and so we watched it last night. We watched it last night. I loved Bumblebee. I did not... It was really good, yeah. I loved Bumblebee. Good. I love the very first Transformers movie of the Michael Bay series. I don't care for any of the other ones. Like, they're all hot garbage after that. You know, when you start co connecting Merlin and Excalibur into the Transformers... <laughs> mythology when you start adding marky mark into it yeah. it just goes downhill um i genuinely loved bumblebee i thought Haley steinfeld was great i even thought john cena played a good antagonist in the movie um i thought you know the the animation the character design of bumblebee like, like it was all really good i don't remember if michael bay had a hand in bumblebee um I don't know. Holly's going to look it up real fast. This felt like a Michael Bay movie. The story was very flimsy. I did not care for the portrayal of Optimus Prime. Um, right? He was a jerk. He was a jerk. Um, like, why? He, he the um, Optimus Primal refers to him as like the like I'm named after you. You know the legendary Prime. And I was like, what? no, Michael Bay, no, Mike, no. no Michael Bay in the first movie. No. Okay. Then that explains it. 
um, because this movie was hot garbage. There was there was some interesting cinema like cinematography stuff, but even some of the, like the CG looked like it was not finished. He was a producer, but he had nothing to do with the writing or directing. Okay, so he did have a hand, but not. It felt like he had more of a hand in this one. Yeah. Um, I thought some of the primal character design was really cool. I didn't mind Pete Davidson's Mirage. I thought that was I thought that was interesting. I did like that they gave Noah the uh one of the male human uh protagonists. Um I like that they gave him a version of Spike's suit from the cartoon. Um I thought that was interesting. I was a little sad that he didn't keep Spike's suit. Um and he recreated Mirage. Um I really liked Scourge's character design when he first showed up like on the on the Maximals um planet i was like oh man like this isn't like super uh like anime looking like they made megatron and galvatron look in the michael bay movies um i thought they did something kind of interesting and then after that it was just like this movie is dumb generic it's just super generic um i just did not like it like I don't know. Like, I just did not like it. It was very disappointing. I haven't been this disappointed in a movie in a very long time. And George looked, he looked very generic, right? He looked just like the other dude from, like, they all look the same. All the yeah. Decepticon enemies look the same. At first, like, I, like, when, so, like, when they first presented Scourge and he's, like, walking through the forest and all you can see is, like, his eyes, I was like, oh, like, maybe this is, this is going to be cool. And then it wasn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it just it it was very disappointing. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, I don't even care about spoiling this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it looks like they're building the Hasbro universe because there's a GI Joe Easter egg towards the end. That was of it. pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, did the GI Joes and Transformers ever collaborate in the cartoons? No, they did not. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. I don't sure. remember that at all. Maybe in the, maybe in the comic books. Maybe in the comic books, not in the cartoons. Um. So I don't know if they're going to try to do G.I. Joe again. They've tried twice and failed both times. Um, I don't know. I was very disappointed in this movie. Like, I was trying to stay, like, hyped into it. uh, But it was all a ruse. um, Because I probably could have turned it off halfway. And I love Transformers. Uh, here's, here's, Here's my thing about these Transformer movies. And... This one did it better than the other ones. Yeah. And Bumblebee probably did it best. If I, I can't, I'd have to watch it again. I don't watch Transform. No, this movie actually did a bad job of it too. I don't watch Transformers for the human characters. Yes. I don't care about that at all. Yeah. That was not a thing. I, they had it in the cartoon and I was like, cool. But honestly, the cartoon I remember, I don't remember the, the human characters, any of their story. I did not care one lick about them. You know what I wanted to see? Transformers transforming the cars, trans- Decepticons transforming jets, fighting it out, battling each other. That's all I want to see. Now, this movie had a lot of battles, but it still was all about the stupid human characters that I did not care about. And the human characters they had were annoying. Yeah. They're all annoying. Every single one of them. And Sam Witwicky is the most annoying character I've ever seen in my life. I, Shia LaBeouf's character in those Transformers were the worst. The only reason I liked the first movie was because I was super excited about Transformers and it was pretty cool. Yeah. After that, it was all downhill. No character was good. No human character was good. And and the fight scenes are so CG that I can't even tell what's going on at the time anyway. So it's yeah. not even fun. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know why I keep watching these Transformer movies. They're just not, they're not my thing. So How about that? There's something jam. 
I think the thing that Bumblebee did really well is it only had like three Transformers in it. It had Bumblebee and it had two Decepticons. That was it. Um, So it's not like it's not like robots just everywhere. It's just like it. You can't have too many, right? Or no, you can have too many. And I think Bumble Bumblebee's like simplistic story of only having three Transformers in it. I think made it a lot better when you start getting like, there's like five different and they brought in the stupid, like the B2 bomber um, transformer <laughs> who had a mustache <laughs> and everything. What about, the, what about the, the, the little, the little uh, van, the, the VW, VW van. Yeah. yeah. But that was Danny Rojas. It was Danny Rojas, which <laughs> uh, it was great to see, like hear his voice and like play that character. But still like, it's just too many. There's too many, there's too many transformers. Okay. As a non-fan of Transformers, like, I did not play with Transformers as a kid. So, I really am only watching these movies because Rick really wanted to see them. I think the thing that bothered me the most is how quickly these, the humans were like, oh my gosh, it's a robot alien. Okay, cool. We're totally cool now. And then, like, there's a couple of scenes, like, with Elena, the female character, and Noah, the male character, that the Transformers are, like, riding, they're, like, speeding through the street, and then they turn into robots, and then the humans just kind of roll out and start walking like th- like they've been doing this a million times it's like dude you just got in this car for the first time if a robot changed while i'm in it i'm gonna be rolling on the ground but they're so like skilled yeah, and i'm like what in the world and like there's a little like noah's little brother he sees uh mirage for the first time and he was like hey you better not like do anything bad to my brother and it's like okay there's a freaking the kid was annoying like three-story <laughs> robot alien yeah. and you're like hey whatever let's pound fists i don't know it was just kind of like as a non-fan i was like come on i, I wish they would have done a little more to yeah. be like like freak out a little bit yeah. you could freak out a long time because a there's aliens and b they're robots yeah. that turn into cars. like how many cars out there are robot aliens i don't know so when i checked out of the movie there's a part where like the autobots are fighting scourge and his other two uh, terracons or whatever they're calling them um bumblebee dies right just straight up dies right and then, like, that battle was over. Scourge goes off with half of the the warp key or whatever it's called. And Bumblebee's left there on the ground. The next scene is the, all the Autobots and Air Razor and the two humans and Bumblebee's dead body are in an alleyway somewhere. Yeah, they carry him around. So, like, did they just throw him on Optimus's, on the, the bed of Optimus's truck? They put him in the trailer, man. They put him in the trailer. There was no trailer. Like, is he just, like, on the back of the truck and, like, no one's paying attention to this giant robot alien body being driven through the city? Did Air Razor pick up Bumblebee and fly with him in the air? I don't know. It's hard to say. I lost it. Like, I was like, this is dumb. This is ridiculous. I don't know. Also, uh, Elena knew too much. Yeah. Yeah, she knew the answer to every single dang thing. Oh, and also when she was looking on the computer, the internet was very advanced for 1994. Because I'm telling you, when I started using the internet in 1994, like, it was like 10 minutes to load, like, a screen. I don't know. It's like things just popped up. I'm like, what internet are you using? Yeah. Like, you work in a museum that, like 
calls for donations. Like, there's no way your computer's this good. Yeah. I don't think that even existed back then. There was a lot of things that didn't really uh, hit for 1994. Like, Pete Davidson at some point says, oh, that tracks. And I'm like, that really doesn't track for 1994. <laughs> also, Pete Davidson. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways. I don't know. I was very disappointed in it. I don't know. Jose, what was the last thing you watched? Uh, the last thing I watched is another older movie called Pearl Harbor. Um, oh, Michael now, Bay. Michael Bay again. Yeah, another Michael Bay. Uh, and I didn't finish watching it because it's a very long movie. And I just watched the first half where they actually, like, spoiler alert, bomb Pearl Harbor, guys. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, um, so if you've never seen this movie, I mean, it's got Josh Hartnett, or as I like to call him, Josh Hartnett. And uh, I don't know why I call him that. That was at his and most it's another, hot it, It's another Ben Affleck film, actually. Oh, that's right. He's in it. And ben Affleck. Ben, yep. Ben Affleck. Uh, Kate Beckinsale. That's right. Is in it. Um, and then also, uh, what's his name? The guy that shot the woman. I can't remember his name. Shot the woman. What? Yeah. What are you referencing? Who shot He shot who? the woman on. He shot the cinematographer. Like, he's an actor that shot that woman. Are you talking about Alec Baldwin? Yeah, Alec about Baldwin. Baldwin. <laughs> oh wait, I'm not laughing. I can't believe I just giggled. Jose. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. That's, Stop that's laughing. It's horrible. No, I'm laughing because the way that you said Alec Baldwin. It's that not is not what he's known for. Anyway, that is not what he's known for. Oh my gosh. It's the only thing I can remember. Oh my gosh. It's been a great so... episode. You can email Jose <laughs> and it's going to get stupid. You can leave a voicemail for Jose. For Holly. <laughs> no. I'm definitely not laughing about the uh. death of that woman. Um, just about how I brought up Alec Baldwin. Anyway, oh Alec gosh. Baldwin is in it and it, it it's leading up to Pearl Harbor and I mean it's it's all fantastical like realistically and there's a love story in there that I really don't care too much about um but it's a love do, triangle yeah it's a love triangle that's kind of like doesn't really make any sense and like why is Ben Affleck mad at this guy and then they're not mad and then there's a lot of shooting going on but I, I I'm, I'm I'm a big war movie kind of guy so I do like the scenes uh, this sounds even worse like I, it's not like I like the scenes about being Pearl Harbor being bombed but it is interesting to see how it happened and how it could have happened like how you know they were warned but they weren't sure and could they move and kind of really brings to to light some of the tension of the time during World War Two um and and before you know america got involved and that was the reason america got involved is because it got bombed by japan so um and that was very sneaky yeah very but sneaky there's a reason why we got bombed by japan and jennifer um, garner was in the movie she was one of the nurses yes. she had like one jennifer line Jennifer was in the movie she had like one also, line if if that no she had a few lines she really? had a few lines she was yeah she was like the second she was like a Kate Beckinsale's best friend. Jamie King was in the movie. Do you guys remember Jamie King? Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she died. In the and movie. the guy from Train Spotting, the Scottish guy, Ewan Bremner, he was in it. Yeah, Cuba Gooding Jr. also in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, was, he oh, did a good you job. You know what? So was, so was one of my favorite actors, uh, Michael, uh, the guy played Zod. Oh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon was also he, in this movie. Isn't he in all I movies, remember, though? He really is. <laughs> and Michael, what, no, who is it? Uh, my Michael Madsen. Is it Michael Madsen? Yeah. No. It's know. not Michael Madsen. I can't remember the guy's, dang, I can't remember this I've guy's never name. Seen but he was also, really? Have you never seen this movie? I've never seen this movie. <gasps> Pearl Harbor? Pearl I'm not Harbor. watching it. I'm not watching it. I, yeah, I don't, I don't see, I don't know if it's a, like, 
I like it just because I've seen it before and I know what to expect and I can kind of gloss over some of the other stuff that I don't care about. But um, yeah, that's what I watched. So if you've never seen Pearl Harbor, just watch the first half. The second half is like, who cares? Like, I don't think Josh Hartnett, Hartnett, I did. I was about to say it. Uh, I don't think he's a very good actor. Um, he's not a good actor in this movie either. He's not a good not actor in any movie. Um, he he tries. Uh, maybe no, he's not. Like no, oh, okay, okay. You know what? To go bring it full circle, his acting is not for me. <laughs> um, I just like I I don't care for his performance in a lot of movies. Like he tries to do this like smolder thing that he has going on all the time. Like he looks like he's in pain. Like when he's like existing and i just don't care for it you know but that movie 30 days of night that he did he was actually really good in he that. was yeah uh, he was because like he, but that was a good movie exactly i think that's another low budget i i think maybe they had a budget and it didn't do really well but that was yeah. a really good that was a good movie I, I enjoyed that movie i was thinking about it recently um size wars who i, I was liked about. pearl harbor i'm also a girl I liked it. Yeah, I think it, it played but, into but the romance honestly, factor. Honestly, I, I think it would have been better. I don't know. I, I think if it would have just really just focused on the battle at Pearl Harbor, it would have been a lot like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. I think they did this whole... But, it, but honestly, it was like a three-hour movie, and like two and a half hours of it is the romance, and 30 minutes. And it's like, I wish they would have uh, kind of uh, balanced that out a little bit more. So I think the difference is, is like if you look at Pearl Harbor of this historical event... And then you create this story about the people that are in it, right? Then you look at Titanic. about It's a movie about a historical yeah, event. Yeah. And you create this fake story that's uh, that's about these fictitious characters that are on this boat and this thing that happened. That story is done really well, right? It's a simple love story. Um, you know, it's... It it's, is not simple, good it's sir. It's a simple love Jack story about a woman who would not scoot over on a door to bring her, her love up out of the ocean because the water's um, cold man and then you have this movie that was a visual spectacle because it's michael bay about a fictitious thing and it doesn't resonate for everybody right um i think titanic has a wider audience because like this the love story is very simple it's very easy to like you know it's not a love triangle um and it's just it's a good movie whereas like pearl harbor like it didn't resonate with me like to make me want to go see it I because will say that it, Pearl Harbor actually happened, Rick. It was not fictitious. No, I'm saying like the love story is fictitious. Well, they do that. So you will like, because if you're just telling the story, there's a lot of people you don't know who they are. You yeah. don't, it's not that you don't care because it was a tragedy. Yeah. However, you don't have like an emotional attachment to these people, but you like create this whole like love story and there's a baby and it's like, ah, and then you like start killing people off. Then you start. I mean, because like Cuba Gooding Jr., his character was a real person, but you start learning about these people and you you care. So when the movie's showing the battle happening, you are freaking out because you're like, no, don't kill the people yeah. that I love. I don't know. I don't know. I, I liked it, but it was too long. And I wish they would have had more. It about was those, way too long. Uh, more about the battle. I wish they would have like spent a little more time in japan mm. i don't know there was a lot of like oh here come the japanese it's like i wish there would have been a little more like you know i don't know 
like where the Japanese were coming from and why they did. I don't know. I mean, we know why they did what they did. I'm just saying that I wish there would have been a little more like, I don't know, a little more feeling about the Japanese. I mean, they were they were coming at us for a reason. And like for us, I don't know, that's a big part of the story. Like, tell a little bit more about that. I feel like it was kind of glossed over, like, here come the bad guys. And it's like, well, are they like everybody is the bad guy in the other person's story? It's like, I don't know. You're always the hero in your own story. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, There you go. There you are. Don't watch any of the movies we just talked about. (laughs) Great. Go watch something else. Go watch watch, Barbie. Go watch Donnie Darko. Yeah, Donnie Darko is a good one. Go watch Donnie, maybe. I mean, I like Donnie Darko a lot. I'm just, I don't know if I'd recommend it to everybody. Um, Bubble Boy is probably the best uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie, though, of all time. Because that was... Go watch Bubble Boy. Bubble Boy. Like, I'm serious. Yeah. It's one of those things, like, this movie's going to be dumb, and it was so dumb, it circled back around to amazing. And even for someone like me who hates watching movies that are dumb... funny. I do enjoy Bubble Boy. Man, that movie's so good. Okay. Cable Guy Bubble Boy, I think you know what's going on. I'm serious. (laughs) It's so dumb, it's really funny. And I like Cable Guy. Well, email us at it's going to get stupid at gmail.com. You can go to facebook.com slash it's going to get stupid. You can tweet us at IGTGS show. You can hit us up on Instagram at it's going to get stupid. You can go to YouTube and search it's going to get stupid podcast. And leave us a voicemail at 281-870-4055. Bubble boy. Bubble bye. Oh gosh, on that bye. Bye. Bye.